God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk in the media uh, about critical race theory and also uh, the uh, For the People uh, HR1 voting legislation that's going to appear in the Senate today. I uh, don't think there's much concern or much worry about H.R. 1 being passed. It's designed to actually federalize the election uh, elections and allow the federal government to gerrymander uh, districts as they see fit, so long as they have empower- they're in power. Um, and uh, that's irresponsible because then once... If the Republicans ever get into, to be in power, um, what will end up happening is the same thing. They'll go back the other way, and it'll just be this, you know, almost like um, the foreign policy of Trump, who makes foreign policy look easy, and then the foreign policy of Barack Hussein and his cohort puppet, Joe Biden. And... We see what that's about. We see that the liberals, you know, like to finance terror groups, like like whether it's Antifa or Black Lives Matter or the Weather Underground. Those are all liberal groups that wanted to basically silence free speech. And yet they continuously, you know, project their sins upon... Republicans who are the opposite of their sins. And it's frustrating because they're using the mainstream media to to benefit from all of these lies, all of this BS. You know, I watched an old movie last night and the movie was Guess who's coming to dinner? 
And what was interesting about the movie that I hadn't seen before, I've seen the movie seven times maybe, or five times, whatever. But yesterday it dawned on me what was being done in 1967 when that movie was created. It was at the same time that the Democrats hijacked basically the critical race theory, Me Too, or uh, no, not Me Too, critical race theory, Black Lives Matter kind of deal. When Linda B. Johnson signed off on civil rights legislation that would basically be reparations for the next 40, 50 years, we've spent 15, upwards of $15 trillion on social welfares that have actually you know, made the black community less than it was in so many ways. I mean, if you look at the family unit within black families back in the 50s and 60s, there were single parent home rates of about 20 something percent. Now it's 70 percent within black communities. And what does that do to the incomes of households? It splits them in half. Single, single parent homes, single, uh, single income, raising more children. So naturally, they would be dependent on crime, or dependent on <clears throat> drugs to escape. I mean, if you call that a vacation. And then uh, dependent on social welfare, dependent on housing and urban development, HUD, subsidized housing. And now with Biden's giving out $300 for child, uh, child perks is creating a lack of incentive to get back to work. People would rather sit on their duff, then produce and live the American dream of hard work and getting out there on your feet and getting into a job, living a cleaner life because you can't show up to to work drunk or high. And, you know, in our cities with the Soros-baked-in district attorneys, we're having so many... So many criminals, uh, so many people in the streets smoking pot, and so many people in the streets committing crimes or fighting in the streets, and the police just sit there and watch. I was hearing that story just today on Fox and Friends. Bill Brian Kilmeade was talking about it. And, you know, it's just a reminder. But the thing that occurred to me about guess who's coming to dinner was that they kept going on with this liberal agenda and they hijacked, they literally hijacked. That's where the flip happened. That's where that so-called flip, because at the same time, in 67, when that film was put out and that legislation was signed, uh, it wasn't within a year or two that George Wallace, the Democrat from Alabama, stood in the doorway and blocked two black kids from integrating into a white school in Birmingham, Alabama, or Montgomery, Alabama. I think it was Birmingham. And he's a Democrat. 
At the same time, Robert Byrd was becoming senator. He was a KKK uh, leader. And he was a Democrat from West Virginia. And the party, the, uh, the, the grand old party, the Republican Party was started by, started to, uh, for one reason, to abolish slavery. And Abraham Lincoln became its first president and wanted to integrate the Union and end slavery and wrote the Emancipation of Proclamation. And the Republicans signed off on the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments for all men to be created equal. Not one man should be ever be a three-fifths of a man. The black men should have a right to vote later. It was women that got a right to vote. I think that was ridiculous that they didn't uh, allow women to vote. Um, But we're a flawed country. We have a flawed history. But does that make it right to act like John Cusack and say America is not great and I hate America? I don't think that's right that a guy like an actor like John Cusack can say that after he made his millions. He loved America while he was making millions. Why can't he love America now? Why do these liberals turn their back? I would never want a liberal in a foxhole with me. And how they're actually even resonating with society. Pushing these things down people's throats, despite the fact that polls indicate nobody wants critical race theory and nobody and everybody wants voter ID. Even Stacey Abrams is flipping on that notion about voter ID. You know why? Because she's putting all her eggs into the federal elections basket where her hands would be, she could say anything she wants now. Because if it were to go to the federal government, they would instill, they would promote ballot harvesting. They would end voter ID. They would you would never have an election day again. It would be an election month. And so it would be all of these things rolled up into one that would be basically an open door for election fraud. So the states have some autonomy against the federal government who's rigging elections. And we see it happening all around us. To the point where we are, and I want to actually listen to uh, a, a statement from President Trump, actually, that just was released and made public yesterday. Um, and in this clip, in this audio clip, President Trump's in an interview, and I'm going to play a portion of the interview, but this interview is actually very interesting when you think about it. Because President Trump decided he's having a field day. Too bad he's not allowed on social media. What kind of country are we living in? That the President of the United States gets ripped off of Facebook and Twitter. And yet the Ayatollah Khomeini, who basically the Iran, uh, the Ayatollahs in Iran, guess what? Negated or basically pulled out of the negotiations with Biden and basically stiffed Biden with zero respect. 
we're fine as we are. And you know who is behind that? Russia. <clears throat> Russia is the new player in town. And not only that, but China, Conrad Black writes this piece about China, and China is poised to take the leadership role in the world as the most influencing nation in the world. And don't think for one second that the foreign policy in the Middle East is crumbling too. With Bibi, with Bibi Netanyahu out, do you think that happened by chance, by accident? Or was that by design? The Israelis, Israel has the same <clears throat> liberal BS lies going on there as we have here. But this whole thing about China, too, is that we are going to basically lose our status. And yet, still, China is a developing nation, but they're number one in the world, economically, militarily, and they're the biggest source of cheap labor. So they're, they're the darling of every developed nation that wants cheaper labor. Meanwhile, in America, we can't even hire people. The minimum wage that the Democrats wanted was rewarded by the COVID, <clears throat> was rewarded by the conditioning of the federal government giving you funds, giving you money, and controlling the workforce, <clears throat> whether they have a will to work or not, is up to the federal government. They control that. Whether you wear a mask, whether you stay home, whether you get a vaccine, all the will of the government. When have we become sheep? We got to be careful about how much we give of ourselves. And I don't want to just stop with the taxes. I don't want to. I don't want to limit it to taxes. I don't want it to limit to um, to non-protests. I don't want to limit it to any of these things because there are no limits. We got to say enough already. We can't let this go on for forever. We can't. We can't let them have their way. And that goes for big tech too. How much information are we willing to give of ourselves? In the beginning when we were naive and Mark Zuckerberg was promising utopia and Jack Dorsey was too, that they don't do the things that they've been doing. They were liars. Now we realize that they're the biggest enemies of the state in the history of the state. And we understand now. So why are we actually giving them our information? Because it's so convenient. It's great for logging on to your medical records. It's great for logging on to your social media, connecting with your friends, listening to your music. Every single thing you do on those phone apps. And we're all guilty of it. Me too. I'm guilty. 
But we need to actually get organized and we need to realize that what we're giving up is costing us in the long run. It's almost like that Jonestown drink the Kool-Aid kind of thing. Anyway, uh, let me finish up the guess who's coming to dinner. So what they were saying is they were hijacking the civil rights. And just like Lyndon B. Johnson said, we're going to own those black people for the next 200 years. And what was happening there, when I saw the movie this time around, I saw it through a different lens. I saw it through a lens that said, we are going to steal this. And I bet you the, the director of, uh, you know, the people who were making Guess Who's Coming to Dinner were, were working with the Democrat Party. And they kept on using this word liberal, open-minded, liberal, you know, intellectual, is wrestling with the idea of integrated marriage, right? And that's what the movie was about. And they were acting like they were the bigger thinkers. They were the ones that were more open-minded. When in fact it was the Republicans and their entire history that's been right about it. And I hear these people throwing around the word fascism. The quick definition of fascism is central, centralized authority. What does that sound like to you? When you say fascism and you say centralized authority, which are one and the same thing, does that make someone like Donald Trump a fascist? No. He was a federalist, which meant he wanted to extend more power and independence and autonomy to the states. And does that apply to smaller government like the libertarians who tend to lean Republican? Does that apply to the people that want to lower your taxes and deregulate your life? No. That applies to people like Antifa and Black Lives Matter that say, if you're white, you, you march with us at the end of the line, in the back of the line. And if you're Antifa, you basically turn Portland into a hellhole to the point where now Portland has to put out all these Ads because they've lost all their tourism. Nobody wants to go to Portland and get shot. So they're going nuts over there in Portland. Meanwhile, this whole thing about defunding the police and the crime skyrocketing everywhere we turn and the bashing of the police and the police are racist and the police are fascists. They just throw these words around and we allow them to stick. And it's a mistake, folks. It's a mistake. We got to fight back. And we have to do something about it. We have to get ahead of that curve. Yeah, they control the media, but that media is dying. I just read a report that Brian Stelter lost 72% of his listener base in 2021. That's after losing a lot already because his show sucked so bad. But in any case, President Trump did give a interview and he said something unique. And I wanted to uh, take a listen to what President Trump has to say because it's quite interesting. He says he did not concede. He takes an unbow, so to speak. He never conceded. And you and I both know it. 
and the way the uh, and he's having a field day because critical race theory he he understood it better than anybody. Donald Trump did, you know, and he made light work of it. If Donald Trump was president, we wouldn't have had Bibi Netanyahu would still be running Israel. Iran would still be crushed instead of canceling appointments with the president of America. And the Middle East, we wouldn't have the conflict we have right now in the Syria. All in short order. I mean, it's not been, what, 120 days or something like that uh, since uh, January 20th. I don't know the exact number, but it's not been much time for them to, for, for the Obama-Biden puppet team to destroy America. Already we're seeing inflation go to record numbers. We're seeing unemployment jobless claims go up as they collect their socialized med- medicine or money as they uh, basically destroy our country by canceling jobs like the Keystone Pipeline, like opening our borders and creating a crisis of, on immigration, all in the name of votes and power. They want to control. They want to socialize. They want to end our country as we know it. You just had heard the story about this transvestite BMX athlete and basically said she wants to win a medal or he I should say wants to win a medal and then burn the American flag on the the international stage what you know I'm from the wrestling world I love wrestling I love Olympic wrestling man if there was ever a wrestler that was doing that they would be so gone it's not even funny Wrestlers don't think like that. And if they do, I'll turn my back even on that sport too because my country comes before wrestling. But you know what? They don't do it because I I just don't understand. You know, it's basically it's a difference between liberals and there are liberal wrestlers, but the culture is different. But there, there. This is all. This is not about skin color. It's not about critical race and all this, that, and the other. It's about socialism and liberalism, which are now become one and the same thing with Marxism and nationalism, populism, and federalism, capitalism, and free markets and freedom. What our country was based on. The Republicans' message is directly in line with the founding fathers who wrote our Constitution and the documents that ensued, the amendments that followed. We're in alignment with these things. And that's why it is so important that we have the right judges to interpret the Constitution the way it's supposed to be interpreted and the right law enforcement it's not the problem of law enforcement. You're going to start to see the Biden camp basically go after our guns. You almost wonder if they didn't create the crisis of crime that killed so many people on the streets simply because they want a narrative to pass. And they, it's like planting a seed in a pot. And you plant that seed in the pot And that seed then sprouts. 
But how long does it take for that seed to be in a pot and for it to sprout? And how long does it take before it comes a full plant that you can look at? It might take weeks and months. And so what they do is they plant the seed by attacking the police, throwing a blind eye to Black Lives Matter Marxist rioters and Antifa Marxist rioters while punishing a false flag attack or basically a a fake uh, insurrection, blaming it on Trump supporters who did nothing wrong. There was not one gun confiscated by the Capitol Police in the Capitol. Not one gun. And yet they call it an insurrection. They're lying to you about calling it an insurrection. And so they want this crime to go up. They want to divide our country. Just like when Black Lives Matter was invented in 2013, what it was was the Democrats wanted to divide black conservatives from black liberals because they figured, well, 70% of black people are liberal. So 30% will never win them over with the agenda we're about to roll out. So we're going to split the black communities. We're going to split black people. And we'll take the the dominant percentage because we're never going to get those other black conservatives to vote for us again on the path that we're about to go on. So when Michael Brown happened, hands up, don't shoot was a big fat lie. And they divided black America between political ideology And they took that show on the road and divided America, not just black America, by wedging uh, another wedge between the police and minorities and tried to drive that narrative. And we've allowed this to happen. And basically it's hard to stop because when the mainstream media gaslights you, basically makes you think that the sky is purple, that up is down and left is right, you start to believe that, oh, well, maybe Michael Brown did do that. And you got LeBron James out there, the biggest boneheaded idiot in the planet, trying to lead the pack on a social justice lie is part of it. And it's how we got here. It's the origins of it. And now we know that everybody at the top of the brass of Black Lives Matter is buying million-dollar homes, getting rich quick, getting fat about it. And they've been rewarded by it. And all their money donates to Act Blue. And yet federal and state and local governments put up their signs and promote their cause, despite the fact that they are nothing but a political arm of the Democrat Party, a fundraiser. And so... They're taking money out of Republican taxpayers' dollars to buy the paint and to create the plazas all around the country at the local, state, and federal level. Why more people don't stand up and protest that their tax dollars are being misappropriated for political power and that they're donating money in the form of plazas and Black Lives Matter streets and painted streets, that paint costs money. That plaza costs money. 
Those signs cost money in the libraries of the state, the local municipalities. And conservative taxpayers are part of that. They should not be spending money to finance a political fundraiser for the liberals. And they should not be uh, having to spend money to promote a Marxist group that's a racist group, that's a hate group, that hates America, that endorses critical race theory. So Republicans should stand up. They have a legal case. They have a legal case to fight back against these injustices that these these local these um, local state and federal officials are misappropriating taxpayer dollars to promote a fundraising arm of the Liberal Party, and they do that. They've done it with Planned Parenthood, five hundred million dollars to Planned Parenthood. You look at who they donate to, and it's exclusive to Democrats only. So they turn that money and recycle it. And they do the same thing with unions, teachers' unions. Teachers' unions donate 100% exclusively to Republican, um, to Democrats. Again, Democrats are taking federal dollars that are being um, generated by both Republicans and Democrats alike. And they're giving it to organizations that turn around and only give back to Democrats. You see that this enfranchisement, you see how the Republicans are looking like chumps there. And they're doing it with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And look at what they're doing when you compare the treatment. You know, and it was in Baltimore. Stephanie Rollins-Blake started this nonsense with the support of Barack Hussein, where she gave black people space to destroy the city of Baltimore in response to the alleged injustices of Freddie Gray. You got to remember, how do we get here? You got to remember the past. You got to remember the origins. We tend to forget. You know, we're forgetting about Durham and the injustices there. We're forgetting about all these different things. We're forgetting about what a loser Hunter Biden is. We're forgetting about all these photographs and videos. We're forgetting about Hillary Clinton's Benghazi, Hillary Clinton's email gate. We're forgetting about the Russian hoax. We're forgetting about the sham impeachments. We're forgetting about all these things, the perfectly good Ukrainian call, and somehow Alexander Vindman gets away scot-free. The whistleblower that was a total fraud, whose attorney was Mark Zaid, who tweeted out, that a coup has started, series of many steps. There will be lawyers involved, ultimately impeachment. Well, Eric Ciaramella is a, is a, a complete loser. And his lover, Sean Misko, who worked for Adam Schiff, is also a complete loser. They hate their country. Because if they hate hated Donald Trump, they must hate their country. I don't know how you can hate Donald Trump and love your country because Donald Trump was synonymous with America first. And the Biden-Obama administration 
are synonymous with America last. Just look at what we've done in Iran and in the Middle East. Look at what we've done to our soldiers and putting them in harm's way where there was no need. Look at what they've done with our open borders and all the people that live along the border and what they've, the hell that they've gone through. Look at how they've rigged our elections, how they dr- used draconian measures as a response to COVID. When we're now finding out that they were wrong every step of the way, and now they want to sell us vaccines, and we're going to be like, okay. No way, man. No, we should not do that. No more complicit. We should not. If it's a Democrat pushing something, and you're a Republican, you should say, no, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. Not one thing you've done for, on my, for, to, to protect me, or not one thing you've done to support me. Not one thing you've done to help me. You've done everything to hurt me. You've taxed me more. You've then taken my, my sal- salary and gave it to another voting block, redistribution of wealth. You support reparations when I know that's nonsense. You support critical race theory that hates America. You support all these things that I'm against. No more. No more of this. We need to actually reevaluate what our taxes should be spent on. And if they're not spent correctly, we should withhold our taxes. Go into business for yourself. I don't know what. The answer is if you have a corporate job and the taxes are all automatic and mandatory, we got to figure out a solution to hold our representatives accountable. Even when they win elections, through voter fraud because we know that voter fraud existed whether we even catch it or not we know it existed we know it existed you know just like you know that it snowed last night if you go to bed and there's no snow and you wake up and there's snow on the ground you know it snowed you can't prove it you didn't see it with your own two eyes but you know it happened and that's what's happening in our country And how these Democrats got away with it. It was years in the making. It was years in the making. People like Stacey Abrams who hates America and hates white people um, are behind a lot of these things. And then you get these uh, socialists that run voting machines like Dominion voting machines that basically want to cheat to win. The Democrats have no morals, and they have no ethics, and they have no principles. And it's why they can actually throw away due process at the same time they throw away the key and lock you up forever. There were liberals, open-minded liberals that said they would like to see President Trump rot in hell for, for the rest of his life. And for what? For being the perfect president? I mean, I've never seen a man be as great of a president as Donald Trump was. And still is, perhaps. They're saying that Florida is the new White House with with DeSantis uh, running the show in in Florida and, uh, and Donald Trump basically 
growing the coattails and being the centerpiece of the Republican Party, and everybody knows it, even Jeff Flake, not Jeff Flake, um, McCarthy, McCarthy, Speaker, uh, House Minority Leader McCarthy, rhino, completely a rhino. I always thought he was a rhino, but I thought, ah, he's coming around to adopting Trump principles. No, he was no better than Paul Ryan. How we're getting, how the Republicans are getting Democrat-friendly leadership is beyond me. We got to stop that, and that's what. That's what we're doing over at Bugle Call and Magapack. We're probably going to end up in Alaska at some point uh, because President Trump just uh, endorsed the candidate that's going to be running against Murkowski to take her out of her seat in 2022. Nobody deserves to be unseated better than Lisa Murkowski. So let's take a listen. Enjoy the uh, show with regard to Donald Trump. And his interview from yesterday. Oh, right here. Do you admit defeat? I just want to understand that. No, I never admitted defeat. We have a lot of things happening right now. I think that that was an election that was, I don't think, all you have to do is read the newspapers and see what's coming out now. No, I never, the word is concede. I have not conceded. Right. So I want to ask you about uh, Georgia and uh, Arizona, the audit going out there. What should happen in your mind if Arizona and Georgia come back with fully verified evidence of voter fraud? What do you think should happen? Well, I think they will come back with that. And I think uh, other states are also going to come back with that. And it's going to be uh, determined what's going to happen. That's not up to me. That's up to the public. That's up to a lot of people, I guess. But uh, if the election was determined to be a fraud, and it's looking more and more like that uh, is the case, I mean, people are going to have to make a determination as to what's going to happen. Right. So I want to clarify something, because I have to tell you, and I, the last time I checked, I don't want to listen to the mainstream media. Uh, their headlines are ridiculous. There is talk out there uh, by a certain segment of the MAGA faithful. They truly believe you're going to be somehow reinstated in August. There's actually a poll out, a morning console poll that says 30 percent of Americans, or excuse me, 30 percent of Republicans uh, actually think that as well. So can you set the record straight? Do you believe you could be potentially reinstated at that point? What's your view? Well, just so you understand, there is a large, I've been seeing those same polls, they're not my polls, they're polls taken by, I guess, media and others, and uh, there is a tremendous percentage, much higher than that, that think the election was rigged and stolen, and uh, I don't uh, I don't speak for other people. I can only tell you what I say, and, you know, frankly, this isn't unique, because uh, Hillary Clinton went around saying it, and uh, Stacey Abrams is still saying about her race in uh, Georgia. So this is nothing that's totally unique. But I will say that uh, in this case, uh, there was uh, they had no evidence. In this case, there's massive evidence. It's coming out of Georgia. It's coming out. I mean, just take a look at what's happening. Read the papers. Now, a lot of the mainstream media, in fact, almost all of it, refuses to cover it. And they, why, I don't know. It's all Pulitzer Prize material, but they refuse to cover it. But you take a look at the uh, numbers coming out of Arizona. Now, they're doing an audit right now. I have nothing to do with the audit. The audit is uh, is taking place. It's the state Senate. 
And I think they're great patriots, frankly, if you want to know the truth. But the state senator of Arizona, they're doing an audit. I don't know when it's going to be released, the numbers, but I would imagine they'd be very revealing. And Georgia, likewise, and Pennsylvania is, uh, I, from what I heard, starting an audit because they've found things that they are not happy with. No, these numbers, I think, are going to prove to be massive. Yeah, but what about the reinstatement part? Is that is that bogus? Well, that- I'm not going to comment on that. I'm going to just see yeah. what happens. If okay. uh, the election was fraudulent, uh, people are going to have to make up their own minds. It's not going to be up to me. It's going to be up to uh, the public. It's going to be up to perhaps politicians. I don't think there's ever been a case like this where hundreds of thousands of votes will be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. Okay, fair enough. Uh, on 2024, you've always been asked these 2024 questions. I know you're getting tired of it. So there's been talk now about you becoming Speaker of the House in 2022. Is that something that you would seriously even consider? Or can you say right here, right now, that you don't have any interest in that? Well, I've heard the talk, and it's getting more and more. Uh, but uh, it's not something that I would have uh, considered but it is certainly there's a lot of talk about it. I have a good relationship with Kevin, and uh, hopefully we will do everything traditionally. But uh, the uh, the election was a, a, a horrible, horrible thing for our country. The whole world is watching, and it's been a horrible. You know, we were always known for free and fair elections. Well, it turns out they weren't uh, free and they weren't fair. And the world is watching. So I I have seen talk about that, but it's nothing that I've ever considered. Right. Okay. fair enough. Uh, On 2024, by the way, here's my take. And I'm curious to get your take. Would it be accurate to say that if a supermajority of the candidates that you're supporting right now, if they win in in the midterms and Republicans take back the House and the Senate, uh, that would make it more likely that you would run at that point? Is that true? What do you think? No, I don't think so. But I think that's what is going to happen. My endorsements have meant a lot. We're almost undefeated, very close to undefeated, and hundreds and hundreds of endorsements, uh, people win. Uh, we just had the Republican Party chair in North Carolina and in uh, Georgia and other places. We just had congressional candidates. But, I mean, hundreds of endorsements. And our record is, I think, unmatched anywhere at any time. So I'm working to gain the majority first. And I think it would be, I think it's very important that we do that. I don't know that would have any impact on my decision, however. What would have that impact on your decision? What's going through your mind on that? A lot of people want to know. Well, I think I'm just looking at uh, what's going on. I'm very unhappy with what's going on. I look at the border where people are coming in by the millions. It's going to be by the millions very soon. It already is. Uh, And I look at uh, other things, how our country is really, it's America last. I was America first. I look at it, and I see what's happening. And I'm not happy about it. So we'll we'll make that decision. And I think people will be very happy with the decision I make. I know there's a lot of people uh, that have been talking about you running in 2024. Uh, and you, look, you, you know the deal. There's a lot of people talking about Ron DeSantis and the job he's doing in Florida. What are your thoughts about DeSantis running in 2024? What do you think of that? I think Ron's very good. I endorsed him. And uh, when I endorsed him, he went up like a rocket ship. He understands that. (laughs) And he's doing a good job. We have a number of people that are doing a very good job. Ron's a friend of mine. He's been he's been great. And uh, we have uh, I just endorsed, as you know, the governor of Texas for that race. And uh, we have a lot of other endorsements out there. We have some great people in the Republican Party. 
You know, I don't want to listen to the New York Times. They always like to write about the relationship between you and Mike Pence. Can, can you explain that to us right now? There's a portion of the MAGA crowd. You know the deal. They're never going to forgive uh, the vice president for not kicking uh, those certain disputed election results back to uh, state legislatures. What's your what's your take on Mike Pence and and, and how uh, what's the relationship like? Well, I've uh, always liked Mike, and I'm very disappointed that he didn't send it back to the legislatures. When you have more votes than you have voters in some cases, and when you have the kind of things that are uh, that were known in many cases, they were known then, but they're certainly getting better and better known now. Uh, I was disappointed that he didn't send it back. I felt he had the right to send it back, and uh, he should have sent it back. That's my opinion. And I think if he did, I think those legislate—look at Pennsylvania now, look at look at Georgia, look at uh, Arizona, and look at others. They're all now looking at what happened during that election. I think you would have found that uh, you might very well have a different president right now had he sent him back. Interesting. Listen, you're going to hold a rally in the Cleveland area this coming weekend. You're uh, going to support a candidate who is taking on someone, that Congressman Anthony Gonzalez, who voted to impeach you. Is this like a, a revenge tour across the country for you? How do you see it? No, I just don't think Gonzalez is good. I don't think he represents the people. I think he's uh, not somebody that uh, uh, thinks the way I do and others do. And frankly, I think that the uh, young man running against him, Max Miller, is is excellent. I worked with him for a long time at the White House. He comes from the area. He was brought up in the area. He loves Ohio. He loves that particular spot, and he is going to do well. I mean, I've, he's been doing very well, I can tell you that. No, I'm not a fan of Gonzalez. Let me ask you about, uh, you know, the evangelicals. They support you so much uh, across this country. What's your message to them right now? They see a culture slipping away to wokeness, this critical race theory, transgender terminology. Now it's like birthing people. Uh, what in the world? Uh, so what is it going to take to wake up the church here in America, Mr. President? Well, the evangelicals have been better even now after the election because they see what's happening. They're being affronted of, on every single thing that they stand for and represent. Uh, when Biden went in, he didn't say all of the things that were happening. You look at religion, generally speaking, uh, what's going on now with this administration, this was not what was discussed during debates and and during anything else. I mean, nobody ever thought this was possible, not only on religion, on the border, on uh, Second Amendment, on everything else you can think of. But including God and including life and including many other topics, it's uh, this was never nobody ever thought this is a Bernie Bernie Sanders times 10. Nobody ever thought what's happening to our country could be happening to our country and the evangelicals and and Christians generally. You take a look at what's happening. Christians generally are feeling that way, and they're feeling that way very strongly, much more so now, because now they're actually seeing things happen. And, you know, I have a Supreme Court that gave a very good ruling the other day, as you know, uh, but but having to do with Christianity and having to do with religion. I mean, it was a great ruling. But, uh, you know, I was fortunate we got three Supreme Court justices approved, almost 300 federal judges 
And, you know, we've done a job. But nobody thought what was happening now could be happening. Nobody thought it was possible. Yeah, I want to get to that Supreme Court, one of the Supreme Court decisions in just a moment. Uh, on Biden, I remember, look, you were right during the campaign. I remember during the campaign, you said Joe Biden was against God. And now we have the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. They're looking at denying uh, him as a Catholic communion, even Pelosi. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Well, it's pretty unusual. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with them. It's pretty unusual. His, uh, his stance on everything, they would have been a lot better off had I won this election. That, that I can tell you, because uh, very few, if anybody, has ever done what I've done in terms of the subject that you're talking about and the subject that you represent so well. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Trump, let me ask you a little bit about those Supreme Court picks. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, they ruled with the liberals just recently in favor of saving Obamacare. What, what did you think of that, uh, about what they did? Disappointed. And that's the way it goes. I'm very disappointed. I fought very hard for them, but I was very disappointed with a number of their rulings. Yeah. Uh, does it make you uh, second guess uh, some of those picks or, or, you off, or time will tell? No. Second guessing does no good. But I was uh, I was disappointed with a number of rulings that they made. For sure. Uh, by the way, later this month, you're going to be going down to the border uh, in Texas with Governor Greg Abbott. If you had a few minutes to speak with Kamala uh, Harris about the immigration situation, what would you tell her? Uh, because after all, Joe Biden put her in charge of the crisis. Uh, by the way, they don't even call it a crisis. I'd say go back to what we were doing. It worked. Not so easy to get back there, however. I had to go through court cases, litigation. We had to win a lot. And uh, stay in Mexico was a very big deal. And we got that, and we got all the other things, and now it's all been uh, blown up. And you have millions of people coming into our country, just in case you're not aware of it. Millions of people. And many of those people come out of prisons. They allow them to come out of prisons and other places. Uh, what's happening on our border is beyond a crisis. And maybe they won't call it a crisis, but it's beyond a crisis. I've got to ask you here at the end, there's a lot of faithful, uh, not just Trump supporters, but obviously faithful Americans who have lost uh, hope uh, in this country. Uh, what, what do you tell them? How do you, how do you have them keep the faith through these tough times? I tell them to stay tuned. Now, what does that mean? You, I have to ask you a follow-up on that, Mr. President. <laughs> Stay tuned. That's all I get. That's all you get. That's what you get. And it's uh, we'll see what happens. Our country is uh, is in crisis and we are what's happening with other countries. They're eating our lunch. They're destroying our country at the border and elsewhere. Yeah. So stay tuned. Let's see what happens. Fair enough. And in terms Thank of you, David, very much, David. Mr. President, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. you right. So that was an interesting uh, interview. Um, <laughs> so I, I, what I liked about that interview is the guy asked some very tough questions. Um, I think another tough question, though, for Donald Trump would have been, uh, you know, in terms of hiring uh, Christopher Ray or Gina Haspel at CIA or Christopher Ray at FBI, uh, and even Bill Barr <clears throat> at the, you know at the uh, AG, you know, Attorney General, and what he thinks of the basically whatever happened to Durham, 
and the two standards of justice and the way the FBI is treating the January 6th insurrection. I think those are really bad hires. I have a theory behind those hires too, by the way, and it's, it's my theory. I can't prove it. But the theory goes that um, that I think Lindsey Graham was making some uh, negotiations. Basically, you know, we all know that politics has nothing to do with due process or reality. It has to do with a lot of coercion, making stuff up. So they can make up a Russian hoax or they can make up a perfectly good Ukrainian call. And, you know, because, see, nobody had leverage on Donald Trump. And I'm talking not just about the liberals. I'm talking about the Republicans. They didn't have any leverage on him. They couldn't stop him. So what you do when you don't have any leverage is you create leverage. That's what they do in Washington. You'll just make stuff up and they'll destroy someone's life or get them impeached. And so I think what happened ultimately, South Carolina's GOP, for example, did away with the primary. So they were protecting Lindsey Graham because Lindsey Graham was up for reelection. He would have never beat any of the primary candidates that won against him. He could barely beat his Democratic uh, uh, opponent in a ruby red state like South Carolina. No, the issue was the G- South Carolina GOP protected him by canceling the primary, using COVID as an excuse. And then I think someone like Lindsey Graham, who was hanging out with Poroshenko on New Year's Day, New Year's Eve during Trump's transition with John McCain and Amy Klobuchar, I think that what happened was he was mandating a lot of these things to protect his butt from the illegal shenanigans that he himself was involved with, with Latvia and Syria and all these different ways to distribute weapons and make a lot of money on the black markets. And I think that he had some, some things going on with leverage. And the leverage wasn't even about, I got you, Trump, on something. It was, there's going to be an impeachment trial, and I'm either going to support you or not, and I control the caucus in the Senate. I control. And so, if you want to be impeached, that's fine, but if you want to endorse me and help me get reelected, I'll protect you. But you're going to want to also hire these people. I think that there was some coercion associated with those hires. In any case, that brings us to the end of our show. We got music playing. My name's Scott Adams, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there